Um, okay. Welcome back to Talking Knicks. We got a good one for you. Julius Randle is an all-star. The Knicks went one and one since we last recorded. That's Those are both reasons to celebrate. So I'm here with my friends Tom and Big Baby David, and hey guys, let's talk Knicks. Well, all right. Tom, me and you were, me and you were on the mics pretty recently. Uh, I guess I can ask you how you're doing. It's been a couple days. Me and you were about to start a, a business venture together. It's true. I can confirm this. I have just gone so far down the rabbit hole of buy, of buying and selling basketball cards. It has become an unhealthy obsession where like every free moment I have, I'm like checking the prices of cards, seeing if I can find some value so I can flip them. I just made my first two sales this week. Very exciting. Um, we don't need to disclose figures, but <laughs> we're, uh, we're doing okay. So Greg wants to be an investor. BBD, if you want to invest... Investors, maybe you. Oh, mm-hmm. huh? We can maybe talk about it. But uh, no, beyond that, I'm doing well, guys. We had a, we had a good Knicks day. You know, yeah. notwithstanding a, we can just say it. We lost to the Warriors tonight. <laughs> yeah. We're recording this after the Warriors game, but that's kind not going to gross loss. No, that's but. not going to dull the uh, the excitement here because Julius Randle was named an All Star, as Greg mentioned at the top. And hey, that is that's something to to celebrate. So you got baby D, are you as pumped as I am? Overall, it has been a net positive next day. Just the Randall stuff all good and then fans back in the garden was cool. All that got me got me a little emotional. I didn't expect that out of myself pregame, uh seeing all seeing all that. Uh Maz are shopping Porzingis, so that's cool. But that's not that's not the show. But yeah, could, doing well. Could be the show we want it to be. We can, I'm glad to discuss. But I mean, let's just get right into it. We, we've all mentioned it. Me and Tom had a had a hefty discussion last pod about Julius Randle's all all star candidacy, and the coaches did right by him, and they selected him to be an all star. Um, to us, it was always seemed like a like a no brainer. This guy's just carrying this team on on his back every single night. Um, if he does bad, then the Knicks lose. If he does good, then the Knicks are given a fighting chance against just about anybody in this league. One of four players averaging 20, 10, and 5. Three of those people are all-stars. The fourth is DeMontis Sabonis, who perhaps the biggest all-star snub, but that's that's not our problem. That's the Pacers' problem. So, BBD, the, how are you feeling? probably the biggest direct victim of Randall's all-star uh campaign selection um do yeah do well randall i mean we've seen we've watched all of his games so we know we does that he deserves it um i mean how many good things can we say about him he's been great he's in many ways the only guy that's that's shown up that showed up tonight specifically um but but just lately i mean how many games has he the season have been like duds from him. The rest have been been truly all star level performances. He's really good, man. I'm very happy for him. He's he's excited. The team's excited. We saw them the other night, like when they when they were kind of after his 44 point game. The guys were there 
saying he'd get him to the all-star game and and it worked probably only because they asked for it and i don't think it's a case of us just being homers like yes we do watch every knicks game we are invested in the team and you know we've kind of we've seen firsthand we've had the julius randall whiplash from last season all of us being pretty negative about him and his impact on the team and uh just the the contrast of this season and just how undeniably positive he's been just not only getting his own numbers, but making his teammates better and his, his production actually leading to winning. And that's the main thing that I think some of the other guys who had cases for all stars um, are, were kind of missing, not, not necessarily DeMontis Sabonis who, you know, the Pacers are the currently, I believe the fourth seed in the East. But, you know, if you look at some of the other guys who were, were considered snubs I, you know I don't even think Julius Randle was the most controversial player to make it you know Zach Levine granted he is putting up big scoring numbers on on great efficiency but that team is is just absolute garbage so I think I mean I, I'm saying it's absolute garbage and I, I haven't actually checked the standings they are a half a game behind the Knicks so <laughs> they're tied with the Knicks and, and better now. than you'd think and following now. the Knicks loss tonight you're right it's now a tie so you know, I've actually cool. just watched some Bulls games and said they were absolute garbage, but I guess they play well against other teams. I don't know. Um, and then they're pretty decidedly not a good team. And, and Levine, while good on the one side of the ball, gives you nothing on the other side. He, he's got to be the most controversial pick. And I, I think that the, the, that that the Bulls it, team but... is actually better when Levine sits on on the bench, like um, plus minus wise. Like, And it's not, you know, it's I think you're point. right. I haven't looked at him myself. But I think it's getting to the point where it's like that's not even a small sample size situation anymore. That's just kind of like part of your impact on the game, right? And um, I don't know some of the other guys. If you're talking about the Miami Heat duo and Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, like the the Heat ha- have not been good this year. They've really disappointed. Yeah, um, yeah it's funny. It's funny that enough games you have the Heat like, at at fourteen and seventeen, thinking that they have two All Stars on their team. It's like yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely not the case. Um, and then Gordon Hayward, I think, is the other guy who, yeah, again, I mean, I, I know there's all the teams are kind of bunched up there in the middle of the Eastern Conference, but and Hayward is is somewhat in a similar situation to Randall in that he has to carry a pretty pretty big load every night. But um, the, the Hornets supporting players have just been decidedly better than the Knicks supporting cast you know Terry Rozier night in night out yeah I mean even LaMelo Ball has been has been impressive as a rookie so um just the the level of burden on Julius Randle's Randall's shoulders every night for this team to be even sniffing 500 is is just a testament to how much he means to the to the team and that he deserves this all-star berth no question yeah and that's what puts him ahead of guys like Tobias Harris Chris Middleton um even Sabonis and Brogdon, just because they have each other. All the Raptors guys bunched up as well with Siakam making a late charge and Lowry and Fred Van Vliet doing him. Uh, but the Knicks just don't have that second-best player. They have R.J. Barrett, who is, is sometimes the second-best player and sometimes certainly not the second-best player. And I, I think that's that will be a fairly smooth transition uh, if I do say so myself, because R.J. Barrett today, our purportedly second-best player, was bad at basketball. Um, Tom, you're you're our resident R.J. guy, so I don't know if you want to just talk about what you saw from R.J. today. I saw a lot of 
driving at the hoop and throwing the ball at the basket. Yeah, I think when you compare it to the game earlier in the week against the Timberwolves, where he finished the game 10-20 from the field, he had 21 points and was the second leading scorer in that win. Um, you know, it seemed like his strategy was actually kind of a little similar in that game. He has been kind of just bulldozing his way to the rim lately, and that Timberwolves squad is is very bad defensively. Whereas this Warriors team... You know, they have some some matchup issues for Barrett, like whether it's Wiggins or Oubre in their length, or I mean Draymond Green is just a just a such a good defender. Um and does a great job protecting the rim. Uh James Weissman has a lot of length and athleticism. So this is not a good matchup for, for RJ. And he just d- didn't really do a good job of adjusting his game plan to the defense. I I did that video of Couple week, couple weeks back now about RJ's kind of improved floater game and how he he was making better decisions about when and where to attack the rim and when to pull up and take an open shot from like eight feet. And he, since I did that video, he's kind of rev, kind of reversed and and uh, gone back. And as far as his uh, his ability to to make those those judgment calls, he's just kind of been barreling again, lowering his shoulder. He has not been looking for his teammates on drives at all. Like one of his biggest value adds to this team is his passing. And the last couple of games, I mean, he had one assist against Minnesota. He had zero against Golden State. And that's just not who R.J. Barrett is. He's not really playing his game. And it's uh, it's a shame, you know, he's, he's 20 years old. I'll say it probably on every podcast. He's having a kind of a valley right now. There will be peaks later in the season. But right now there is no question he is not playing – kind of confident basketball the way we expect him to. Yeah, and uh, down the stretch of that fourth quarter, it was actually kind of funny because we've mentioned how uh, RJ sometimes just rides the bench down the stretch of the fourth quarter. And when they put RJ in, Walt Frazier actually said, RJ's coming in, he usually sits out during the fourth quarter. So that was was, was a funny observation from, from Walt. So he sees what we see. Well, it's, makes it's funny sense. in particular because against Minnesota, he came in and was like asked to lead the offense. I mean, in the last game, it seemed like he was the one who was tasked with creating the crunch time offense, and a couple times that worked out for him. He made a couple nice nice uh, buckets driving to the hoop, but uh, twice he got blocked right at the rim by Carl Anthony Towns, who's not like some stellar defender, but RJ just kept. <laughs> You know, he didn't, didn't deviate adjust. from his plan. He, yeah, he didn't adjust, didn't deviate from his plan. He just kept barreling forward, and, and Cat blocked him twice in crunch time, and those were big-time plays. So it was a mixed bag in the last game, too, but it was uh, it was even worse. And this one was just a funny comment from, from Clyde because in the last game, RJ was like the guy we were riding down the stretch. <laughs> we have seen a lot of uh, him not getting time in the fourth, but yeah, one game ago. We, it wasn't an example of that, which is just funny. Yeah, Archie's in a weird spot, man. With the, and they've been using him, they've been giving him the opportunities to do like a lot of like isolation plays and for the long term development. I mean, yeah, you like seeing him get the chances, but it's not working right now. It's like, he looks super just he's in a weird spot. He, and, he, and he very recently had a, a really good stretch of basketball. So I'm not trying to pile on him. It's just like it, it's 
been a few bad games in a row, man. Yeah, it, it looks like almost like a mental thing. He just he looks just really not creative with the basketball. You know, he's not he's not kind of like shifty at all. And that was a criticism even coming to the draft last year and in throughout his rookie season that he's like not able to beat guys off the dribble. People say he has no no wiggle to his game. And I feel like he has used his strength and some kind of improved footwork around the basket, some Euro steps and things of and like wrong footing defenders to to get around that. Like he's not super quick and super quick twitch and gonna like, you know, beat you by going around you necessarily that way. But he has found a way for most of this season. And the last few games I, I do feel like that's kinda gone away a bit. So, you know, hoping to that he's able to to get that back. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had mentioned that he was we, I guess we both mentioned him just going head down, running at the basket. And a couple times, I mean, he just ran straight into Draymond Green, one of the best defenders in the NBA. And uh, the results were, were bad. Uh, we had we had one where he just, I don't know, hook-shotted it off the backboard. I don't know, it looked like one of those where you were throwing yourself an alley-oop, but he wasn't. He was That was his regular shot. So that was pretty bad. And then second – down the stretch, there was a fast break, uh, two-on-one, R.J. Barrett and Derrick Rose. Uh, he had Derrick Rose cutting down the down the, the right side. R.J. Barrett um, didn't even fake a pass, just went straight for the for the rim, got fouled, um, which isn't too bad, but then he missed the first of the of the two, knocked down the second. And that was, that was late down the stretch when I think we were down five, so would have cut it to a one-possession game, but we were unable to do that. And then from there... Um, Steph Curry's good. He uh he killed us in this one. He had twenty nine points. Uh, I think he had yeah. more than that actually. Thirty seven. He had twenty nine points before um that last barrage. That run. Yeah, before they the, they decided to to win by eight. When this game was like <laughs> actually decided, he had twenty nine points. It, That's where I'm getting that number. It 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 just felt like. Once they were in the that position down the stretch where it was a close game, um, it started to come down to they have Steph Curry. Yeah. And like, hey, f- uh, fair's fair. Yeah. And the Knicks tied it up with about four minutes to go, and then Steph Curry just hit a, a dagger three. Uh, I mean, then the whole time the Knicks are just trying to get back those three points, and they never, they never did. No, it, it felt insurmountable as soon as Steph hit that three. It was like he hit that, and, and we're over here like, well, we don't have a guy who can make a three. Yeah. So it was, it was like we yeah. need we need to hit a three. It's like Julius Randle, the guy who's going to do that. Uh, which he shot one. We all thought it was going to go in because he's Julius Randle. That's true, and he was but, three of six from three tonight. So I mean, he was definitely the only good. guy who you'd trust to take a three in that situation on the court because you know the, the rest of the crunch time lineup was. It was Alfred Payton, Derrick Rose, R.J. Barrett, Randall, and Taj Gibson. So there's just, I mean, it was a cluster in the paint. There, <laughs> It was just every time guys were kind of hesitant to take threes. It even happened with Quinn Quickly was in the game. He was hesitating to take some threes, and it just resulted in, in everyone had R.J. Barrett syndrome, just barreling into the paint, and it resulted in turnovers and, and bad shots. And, you know, the Knicks shot 39% from the field in this one. Um Thirty nine percent from two on this one, um, just just brutal, and the Tough. lack of shooting was a big part of it. 
Yeah, and uh, down that stretch when we were trying to get those three points back, I think we saw Derrick Rose had one shot go in and out. That was probably our best chance. Uh, but Derrick Rose also bricked a layup off the backboard that didn't hit the rim, and Alfred Payton missed, missed a layup of his own. It was just a lot of bad basketball down that stretch. I think Kenny mentioned in our group text that Julius Randle wasn't getting the ball enough. Um, he, he took that 1-3, and then he tried to go to work on Oubre a little bit, but other than that, you had guys like Alfred Payton and, and Derek Rose trying to trying to get in the lane, and it wasn't working for them tonight. But but the Knicks were good in the first half. The plus minuses in this game are are absolutely insane. I don't know if you've looked at them. Pretty much the Knicks starters were all minus twenty, give or take a point or two. And the Knicks bench were all plus ten or better. So. It all comes down to that third quarter blitz by the by the Warriors. Knicks go into halftime up four, and they come out of the third quarter down nine. Uh, 39-26 in that quarter. Started out just terrible, terrible. The, the Warriors got up double digits kind of quickly. Um, I think they said they had 19 points in the second quarter, and they had 20 points in like the first half of the – of the third. They actually put up 39 total in the third, which is double their output in the second. Bad. We're not going to win like that. So, I mean, the bench in that first half, second half, was good. Obi looked functional as a person, which we like to see. He knocked down a three. Uh, Derek Rose in the first half was good. I think we could talk about, about maybe some jitters. BBD mentioned to us prior to the podcast, um, you got guys like Quickly and Barrett not not uh, performing up to the task and maybe it had to do with being the first game with fans back in the stadium or the arena. What did you think about that, BBD? Yeah, I mean, it was the first game with fans back. RJ doesn't have the excuse of that being his first NBA game with fans because he played a year ago. Uh, quickly... If uh, if you wanted to be a guy that points to that, sure. It was his first NBA game with home fans there, and he, he just played jittery. So don't do it again. Yeah, we'll give him a pass. <laughs> but but he, uh, he's he's in a little bit of a rut himself. Just it's been a few games. He's a rookie. That happens. So uh, yeah, the the last game against Minnesota, he finished. I mean, he only played nine minutes, and it didn't really feel like he should have played more because when he was out there, he was just really struggling. He was one of five yeah. from the field. He missed two didn't free throws, more. which is pretty shocking for him. He's like a 90% free throw shooter. He was two of four from the line. So, yeah, I don't know if that was a, another mental thing or, or what the deal was there, but um, I, don't, yeah, I don't even know if there were fans in the stands there at Minnesota. Yeah, really never... scroll of his game log. I don't think he's missed multiple free throws in a game this year besides that game. So is that you a never, character? You never know what's going on in Minnesota. And I guess we could we could do a quick run through of that Minnesota game. Uh, the Knicks seemed like they were going to blow out the Timberwolves up 12 after one. They got the lead up to 20 um, late, late in the third quarter. Uh, third quarter ends with a, a Wancho Hernan Gomez four-point play, and then the the Timberwolves open the fourth quarter on a seventeen to four run. 
the four point or the twenty point lead evaporates very quickly. Um, this is one of the uglier uglier fourth quarters we've seen. The Timberwolves outscored the Knicks in the fourth quarter, twenty eight to sixteen. Knicks score sixteen points in this fourth quarter, and they somehow win the basketball game. I'm not sure how. Hung on. It, it was Carl Anthony Towns had a had an open look at the end of the game, a nice look, made a nice move on Tosh Gibson, and the ball just bounced in and out. Knicks got a good roll, and we we closed it out. Uh, not a fun one, a lot of ugliness, but we won. And that was Julius Randle going for 25, 14, and four to put his exclamation on exclamation point on his All Star candidacy, and that's what did it for him. Maybe he puts up a dud in that game. Final, final straw. Yeah, maybe he puts up a dud in that game. He doesn't get it. That's how close it was between all these guys, but he didn't. So he's an all-star. Yeah, I, I think one get- big thing to, to note from that game is just it, it had been – it wasn't the first game. It may have been the second consecutive game where the bench and specifically Derek Rose and Emmanuel Quickly just really struggled to, to play together and to kind of hold the the lead. Um, we mentioned quickly struggles before, but, but Derek Rose in this one was one of eight from the field and was a team worst minus 12. And yeah, it was, there was just something about Rose and quickly that, you know, as much as they were clicking to begin Rose's tenure, it was kind of the, the opposite in this past one. And, you know, even tonight against Golden State, like Rose came out hot, like he was, he was shooting the ball well, he was all over the place defensively high energy, but, you know, he ended up, I, I feel like he ended up kind of hurting the team a little bit with his aggressiveness in the fourth. He finished the game 6 of 15 from the field, and, I mean, granted, he he had eight assists to just one turnover, and it was pretty evident that his, like, playmaking was very much needed, but it kind of, kind of petered off towards the end of the game there when Alfred Payton kind of took back that, that point guard role, and when you have those two guys playing next to each other, there's just, just, there's no room. There's no room on the court. Like defenses don't respect their shooting at all. And, um, you know, when Derek Rose is like your, you know, probably your second best three point shooter on the floor, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. But I thought it was worth bringing up kind of Rose's, you know, he, he joined the team and fans were, were so ready to, especially people who wanted Rose on the team were just so ready to take victory laps. And, you know, I'll admit I, I was definitely caught up in, in the Rose hype, but, He's definitely come back down to earth a little bit in the last few. Certainly, and I mean that—that's pretty much all we have to say about the basketball product this week. Um, there's only two games since me and Tom last spoke, but now we can get into the good stuff off the court. A uh, little shade in fruit. I think that's a German word meaning something. I'm happy that you're not happy. And that's a. Uh, that's in reference to Chris Stapp's Porzingis, the rumors from Ian Bagley saying the Mavericks have checked in on possible trade scenarios for Chris Stapp's Porzingis. BBD, what are, you, what are you thinking over there about that? We love that. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just a shame. I really <laughs> thought they had a good thing going. And we are being joined by Jake in a second here. Um. Yeah, Mavericks. You know, if you want to give up some picks, I guess we'll take them. But uh, <laughs> like, but yeah, take them back. The big contract you gave them. 
going to be hard to move. And it was specifically the Warriors that Begley mentioned, right? That were uh, that was the, yeah, at least as like the first team the Mavericks reached out to. Sounds like Warriors or they're trying to connect with. Which I don't know. Is that I'm not sure how they line up. I guess you have to take Ubre's money or Wiggins, and you got to do something. I don't, I don't know. I, they they have Wiseman, so put in Wiseman next to. Sure, Porzingis is kind of a weird thing to do, but and I think if, if Porzingis were on that team, we we win tonight. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> we didn't really have much going on in the center for ourselves. Uh, I mean, as BBD mentioned, Jake has just joined us for a, a celebrity appearance of our our verified on Twitter co-host, Jake Storiali. This is an actual Jake. cameo. We're paying for this. Yeah, this costs a lot of money. Yeah. Who won tonight? You're I, lucky. Uh, You're lucky you fell asleep, I'll say. Julius Randle got ejected. I fell asleep right after the Tracy Morgan gift. It was up on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> looking at just looking at the TM chain. Um you know, tough loss. I like the way the offense looked. Um <laughs> No man. I uh I don't know, whatever. They let fans in the stands. That's kind of cool. They were doing a lot of stuff around that, which I don't know. It was kind of cool. The world's still a little bad. And uh, Julius Randle's an all-star. That's insane. Like, who had that? Yeah, I mean, I, the thing I was thinking in my head is Julius Randle coming back from the season he had last year to becoming an all-star this season would be like if Alfred Payton is an all-star next year. That's the only thing I could think of in my head. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think the only thing is if you looked at Julius Randle's stats from last year, that there'd be a case to be made that he was like at least somewhat productive. I, I think he actually like scored some points, had some rebounds, had some assists. But if you watch the games, then you would have realized that he was just not helpful in any way and was just <laughs> and was just completely deflating to the team and like their identity and all that. So I think um he put up numbers that like yeah, you would have you could have constructed the argument that he's technically like a top I don't know 75 50 player depending on how nice you want to be. And now it's like he's a legit like good player. It's like helping and and even with good stats last year when it was all empty this year, they're good stats and it, it feels helpful. Yeah. I mean, he put up 19 and a half points, almost 10 boards, three assists. And he shot 46% from the field. I we mean, wanted who, to what, dump him real bad. One of the things is Trade he was just anything. He was a 27% three point shooter on a pretty sizable volume last year. This year he's, Shooting forty-one percent from three—that—that <laughs> that is such a crazy leap. And it, you would wonder if, like, it's possibly sustainable, but it—it kind of feels that way. Like, you know, his his—it's not just his sustained threes. it this long. His mid-range game has been very impressive. The shot, like, the shot looks good. He's shooting it consistently. He's shooting it confidently, and I don't know that he's necessarily going to be a forty percent three-point shooter for the rest of his career, but. I, I do think that that 27% last year is more the aberration and that this is 
closer at least to the the real player that he's going to be going forward. And he's so so much closer to when we started dreaming about Pelicans Julius Randle. Like he shot shot 52% from the field. He shot 56% from two and then he came over to the Knicks. Shot 46%, 51%. So I don't know. The three-point shooting is incredible and the assists. I mean, the assists have more than double, and you have to give a lot of that to Tibbs, right? I mean, all the rumors were that Tibbs told him, like, you got to be better, and he has been. Yeah, he's been great. It's just night and day. And Tibbs should tell our guy to be better. I was going to say, he should tell our other players to be better. <laughs> Seems easy enough. Um, I mean, we talked about the Warriors game. We talked about it all. I think that's uh, we and me and Tom discussed the Knicks rather recently. I feel like that's what's left us with this. Only been two games since then, so only two games and one All Star selection since our last podcast. I guess we could we could make our predictions for next week, unless you guys have other more substantive items to talk about. Never do. Never do. All right. I mean, this is this is going to be. Three games in short succession. We got the the Kings, the Pacers with an angry DeMontis Abonis, and the Detroit Pistons this week to end the month of February. So, Tom, I'll, I'll let you go first. What are you thinking? That's awesome that we're going to go three and zero to finish the month. I'm I'm pumped about that. That's, nice. Yeah, that's that's three and zero. The Knicks mm. need to bounce back after this one, and I think. Yeah, I I don't know. It, it, I think that Randall's going to really feel validated by that that all-star game appearance and he's gonna like just just really continue to bring it you know so i'm excited yeah and the knicks saw halliburton post that uh kermit drinking tea tweet so they remember that true yeah they need to they need to get that win against sacramento because they got kind of embarrassed uh (laughs) in Sacktown at that party last time so got to bounce back there the Pacers, I can kind of see going either way because we beat the Pacers every time and RJ goes off. So he he's excited for that game because he's been stinky. Um, So he's got that game circled. So RJ is going to go off that game. But I, I suppose Sabonis is out to prove something. And they're like, well, we've lost to the Knicks twice this year and we're supposed to be kind of good. So for the sake of being different, I'll say they lose that game and we're not losing to Detroit, so. Good. Good pick. Jake, what are you thinking? I mean, if if we're being honest with ourselves, since Julius Randle's been named an all-star and we're talking about his improvement, Obi Toppin hasn't missed a shot. Hmm. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's next year's all-star, uh, a la Julius Randle. Um, but trying to become an all-star, the Knicks lose every game up until next year's all-star game. No, I think um, <laughs> it's price you pay. <laughs> Worth it. Sabonis, man. God, how did he not make the all-star team? Does Vucevic get too much love? That like, team's uh, not good one, either. But... Yeah, I mean, compared his numbers to Sabonis, along with the team's records, they're, they seem close enough and far enough apart, respectively, that uh, you would think Sabonis would be be the guy over him. But, but I don't care. 
Yeah, let's. <laughs> <laughs> not not our problem. Not our problem. Our, our guy got in. Let's beat the Kings. That's easy. That's easy money. And then, yeah, pissed off Sabonis, and then we beat Detroit. So, yeah, two and one. Two and one sounds good. I mean, just for the sake of being different, I'll I'll go with Tom and, and three and oh. So, sure. we got two three and O's, two two and ones. That'll... Optimistic. Optimistic pot. I mean, we can't yeah, be. No way for us to all end up sad. Yeah. Those <laughs> <picks>. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. I mean, then we're we're getting close to the All Star break, so if we can finish up against the Spurs and the Pistons in that last week and get to five hundred by the All Star break, that loss to the Warriors puts us two games below five hundred. But we're we're right, we're better than we thought we were, so that's good. I think that concludes the talk and Nick's portion of this podcast, and we move on to our our sub podcast. Uh, the more popular podcast. What else is on? I I have one quick Knicks thing. Maybe you guys talked about it. Is it pretty funny that D Rose got like a standing ovation? We didn't okay. talk about. That. I know we've liked him, and he's been cool <laughs> since he's back. But like, <laughs> has there been a quicker turnaround? <laughs> I think he got like the like more lines than anybody in that introduction video. Like the crowd was so stoked for D Rose. It's like, all right, I'm in, but. He really won the fans back so quickly, especially after his first stint was a complete disaster. I mean, <laughs> it didn't that's what go well by any metric. Um, I mean, he came in hot, though. Like his first few games, he yeah. was playing really well. That, that's part of what we talked about earlier, Jake, was that he has kind of come back down to earth a little bit in the time since, especially that, that game against Minnesota. But, you know, City loves him. City loves him. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I thought I don't think we talked about enough was how great the fans were. I mean, we talked about them maybe affecting quickly, but the fans being back were great. Um, Julius Randle took the mic to open the game, said uh, New York, New York, we're back, um, and he started getting MVP chants, and that's that's what you get when you're you're at Madison Square Garden. You get the Knicks fans who who love the Bockers, and then you got Tracy Morgan sitting sideline, uh, Clyde and Mike Breen saying that he just yells. The whole game, um, all all game, and he's just wearing his his chain truck, I believe. Tom said, "Tom, mm. that's what Tracy calls him." We call the trucks. <laughs> so that's your inside information. And then, I mean, you had all these guys with their families there. You had Julius Randall, twenty six years old, with a four year old kid. But uh, it's like BBD. How old are you? Twenty three. Be like if, if you had, had a. How old's your kid? Year. If you had a what? <laughs> <laughs> Only one, so yeah. Same rate. It's pretty nuts. Uh, Julius Randall's parents were there. They left a nice message on the on the video board. Yeah. I think that's it. That's that's and thus and ends the the talk and Nick's portion. And now we can move on to the the more popular sub podcast called What Else Is On, where we talk about what else we've been watching. So Tom, what else you've been watching? I actually got something this week. So um, I'm currently watching Ted Lasso. Have you guys seen this Ted Lasso on Apple TV? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I'm one episode in. That's it. Just started it. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, uh, it, it seems like he is so over the top, like positive and earnest. It's almost unbelievable. But 
you know, it's nice. It's, I think it's a nice contrast to a lot of comedy these days that's very, like, cynical and kind of caustic, which I like, too. Anything that's, like, Seinfeld, sarcastic, it's always sunny, that kind of vibe. 30 Rock, what was the the, the uh, Seinfeld motto? It was, like, no hugs, no hugging ever, like, no lessons learned, that, that kind of thing. But it seems like Ted Lasso is sort of going the other direction. Is like, let's get, let's put some heart into it. Let's like, let's get, let's get real. So, I don't know. One episode in that's kind of been my general impression. So this is a comedy on Apple yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Jason Sudeikis kind of reprising his role that he started on an NBC Sports commercial when NBC Sports oh, right. first got soccer on their programming slate. They had Jason Sudeikis help announce it by being this character who was a football coach in America, was brought over to Europe to coach a soccer club or to be the, was it the manager of a soccer club? I don't know the terms. But uh, they were like, that's such a good idea from five years ago. Let's make it a TV show. <laughs> like like when, the, that cave, when that caveman show from Geico became a an actual sitcom on like ABC or something. It's like, they like turning commercials into shows. Yeah. BBD. You seem to like Ted Lasso. Do you, do you like that? And then what else is on? Uh, I did like Ted Lasso. Um, it's been a frequent conversation point at the office as of a few months ago. It's the talk of the office. Yeah, it was, it was the talk of the office for, for a little bit, for a couple of weeks there. Uh, John Boy and Katie, I think, have watched it at least two times all the way through. It's not that many episodes. It's just John, easy watching. John Boy's, John Boy's on record saying it was the best thing on television last year. Yeah. High praise. High praise. Just good TV. And f- for me personally, what else is on? I did wrap up the uh, Gilmore Girls. So that was cool. That was a long-term project. Congratulations! For me, and I've, yeah, I've got about forty-five minutes in the last episode of the like reunion mini season, so I, I, I'll finish that because it auto played. I was gonna like wait a couple weeks to get to that. That didn't auto play. <laughs> <laughs> it did auto play. I was gonna wait, at least wait till the next day to watch it, and then I was like, all right, well, I'm in. Wait, is it like another episode, or is it just people talking about their old characters as they, their real they selves? They came back as a for a reunion show, like ten years later. It's basically, it's four episodes. It's fine. It scratches the nostalgia button, but yeah, you got some nostalgia very quickly over there. Yeah, if I, had I had to <laughs> wait instant. ten years, I think it would. I think it would hit like it was supposed to. It's it's like it's fine. It's all good. My biggest gripe with the ending of the show is like Rory and her college boyfriend spoilers. Um, they break up at her graduation because she like won't get engaged to him. It's like and he's moving to San Francisco. It's like there's the, there weren't only two options here. So that was my biggest gripe with the end of the show. Oh, and and like the the mom gets together with the guy you want her to get with in like the last 10 seconds of the show and it's like I was rooting for that but last 10 not, seconds of the show is not enough payoff <laughs> that happening so it's like it's kind of a bad trope so looking for, for what I'm going to watch next I, I cracked a couple episodes of iCarly um, 
last night. <laughs> how'd, it, how'd it go? Oh, it's, I mean, it's good. It's my childhood. I've watched I mean, every I, episode. I actually, before. I don't I, need to watch the whole series. I've seen enough of it. It's just good stuff. I've never watched iCarly religiously, but I, I'm, I've seen my fair share of our iCarly episodes. I'll say, and me and my friend uh, Colin, my friend Colin, have a, a running bit about it. Us both watching iCarly just because it's on Nickelodeon. Because I mean, you grow up watching Nickelodeon all the time, just putting that channel on, um, and then it gets to the point where you're like a little, you're like a little too old for it, yeah. but you still do it just out of habit. And that's what was on when when I would do that, it. So so that's the show that like you you felt yourself being just outside the demographic for it. Yeah, I I, I do think that's correct. Um, that's fair. I'm trying to think. Uh, I I mean, it'll come to me the second we we end this. But I know there's a couple of those on like Nick and yeah, Nick's you're probably like like Paw Patrol for you or something. <laughs> not qu- not quite that much, but but yeah. I don't know. Jake, what's going on? What else is on over there? Are you watching Paw Patrol? Man, Paw Patrol fire. I uh Tom, Ted Lasso, really good. Like it a lot. I think you're gonna like it a lot. Uh part of the reason I am now rewatching the show Scrubs with uh with Jess, if she ever comes back home. Jess. You know you're listening. We're still here. Um, Scrubs, <laughs> Bill Lawrence, same same executive producer. Oh yeah, uh, of Scrubs and Tom. I don't want to get you too amped up. It's uh, it's kind of Scrubs with the knob turned up. You get you get some of the highs and you get some of the lows, and it's uh, um, so yeah, I've been rewatching Scrubs, getting some good laughs at that. Um, appreciating the characters more. I mean, Dr. Cox going full Dr. Cox is master class. Wild. Master really class. Good. Ted going full Ted. <laughs> His own version of a masterpiece. So um, even Bob Kelso, man. I mean, Bob oh, Kelso yeah. is such a hateful, happy old man. It's uh, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really enjoying. I think my first time through just watching it or just enjoying it as like a older teenager whenever we kind of tuned into scrubs you get lost in jd and turk and elliot carla all like you don't i mean the other people in that bubble are so good um and i'm waiting i'm still end of season one uh you know janitor and jd are still like don't really know what they're about like they know they want hmm. them to dislike each other, but they don't really know how they want it to fit. So I'm excited to see that evolve because I do think that it's a really good spot, and it's currently not there. So one thing I that believe I- that like that first season they like wanted the janitor to not be real. That's it. That's what I was gonna say. They want him to be yeah. in in JD's head. A figment of his imagination. So when they got a season two, they decided to make him real. So then, like other characters interact with him a little bit. Yeah, I heard Bill Ar- Lawrence talk about. about that and say he was like inspired by the Sixth Sense. I think it was to, to do that, and then they ended up using that Sixth Sense in like the most heartbreaking episode of Scrubs, which Jake, I, I know you you know that one well, and and you'll get to it. But where There's do you think we are? So it's everyone's favorite <laughs> <laughs> Scrubs. Watch for the tearjerkers. 
Uh, what else is on? What else is on over here? I'm watching. I started watching Six Feet Under. Uh, have you seen this? You heard about this? It's a HBO show. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be up there with The Wire and and Sopranos, as people say. I'm enjoying myself so far, but it's kind of funny that like this is like a really famous show, and I just don't know any of the people who are actors. I know the dad who dies is is the dad and stepbrothers. It's that guy, but he's like he's dead. He just appears as a ghost from time to time. Oh, so it's like a supernatural show. It's uh, I mean, six feet under. I, I mean, assume someone was like, a, a, you know, it's, it's not like David. supernatural. It's just like uh, they show up as, as I don't know. They're working in a in a funeral home, and then they just picture people sometimes, the dead people, and talk to them. Maybe that I guess that is supernatural, but I don't, I don't think that's real. It's not supposed to be real. It's just supposed to be in their head. But it's good. It's good so far. I'll keep you guys posted. It's, it's going to be a commitment. I think it's got five or six seasons. So before you guys uh, lock in for the long haul, I'll, I'll watch it and give it the certified fresh or the rotten. Those are the two options. The only two options you're allowed to give on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> that that's what funny, this... funny when you see like an actor you know, and then you see them in something that, like, Step Brothers' dad. Like a lot of people probably know him from that. Yeah. And I've always wondered, like, if if I walk up to him and be like, You're the guy from Step Brothers, he would definitely be like, damn it. I'm in I'm like a I, I'm a real actor. Like, yeah, he would definitely say that. But he must get that all the time. He must get it all the time because there's not a lot of overlap between like Step Brothers fans, probably, and and like he was also that dude. He could be like I in, I was in six feet under. That's like a very well-known show. That, I think he, he was in the example. Academy Best Picture about that about that water creature, that underwater sea creature that won Best Picture a couple shape, of years ago. Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Thank you. He was like a main character in that. I think he was even nominated for like Best Supporting Actor, but I'm sure he gets stepbrothers all the time. <laughs> the only so. reason is because stepbrothers is like a funny, entertaining film and Shape of Water is a dude banging an alien. Yeah, it's, it's a woman. It's, like, it's a woman and an alien. So, Richard Richard Jenkins is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, comedies should get more love at at the Academy Awards, and Richard Jenkins should have gotten an Oscar nod for. There should be like a comic supporting actor. You know, people would actually watch the Oscars that way. Ooh. I mean, they got it at the Golden it's Globes. Not at the Oscars. Yeah, but for, for the Golden Globes, they do it as like musical or comedy. So you have like Les Mis and a comedy. It's like those are the exact opposites. <laughs> and then what they choose for comedies, it's like they're not actually comedies. They're like kind of quirky films. Like I like Wes Anderson, but like Grand Budapest Hotel is just a movie. Like it's not a comedy, <laughs> right? You don't think of that when someone says comedy. So that's my rant about comedies and the Oscars. One last thing I have to say that I watched this weekend was was Popstar. Never Stop, Never Stopping. We've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I I think it's the last funny movie ever made to date. Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting for... (laughs) That is not true. (laughs) What name a funny movie that has been made since Popstar? 
I my go-to answer for this is always game night. I thought game night was hilarious. It's I mean that's probably because you're married. <laughs> Wait. Oh, Wait, hold on. Like is that a, a movie about? I guess there like is some married, married stuff couple. in there. Did you ever see it, Greg? I did see it. I, 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 don't, I don't remember it. Oh, I, I think you should revisit it. The guy who plays uh, Landry in Friday Night Lights has a role in this in this film that is just, it's tough to top. It is just so good. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of, I mean, you got, you got Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, I mean, it's it's a stacked cast, but I mean you're you're gonna walk around telling people that you think Game Night is the last funny movie ever made. I'm comfortable with that actually. <laughs> I'm I'm I would not have any problem saying that. Okay, I am looking at the cast. They do have themselves quite a Dave and Buster's crew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it was a it was a funny movie. All right, I'll watch it as soon as we're I done. Got, I gotta check it out. My heart's in Budapest, my my broken cheddar dress. Oh, you Grand Budapest Hotel. George Ezra. Not to talk about basketball, but the Nets just waved three players at once. So that's who? A couple old friends Noah Vonley, Iman Shumpert, and Andre Roberson. But but then Shams follows up saying Shumpert and Roberson are coming back on 10-day contracts. So Vonley got to feel like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's like one of those things. I know when the Knicks got Lance Thomas and Amundsen for J.R. Smith, they waived them both immediately and then brought them back on 10-day contracts. So there's something going on there with not wanting to guarantee deals. But needing people on the roster while they wait yeah. until people get waived and decide if they want to sign them instead of Iman Shumpert, who hasn't been good since the Commodores. Mm. It's a rush hour reference. <laughs> no big deal. I think that's it. I don't know. I think we've have we talked enough about what we've been watching on the TV because I feel like this podcast is now half Knicks, half. What else is on? That's the direction yeah. we're trending anyway. Until Nick, pretty soon it's going to say, let's, let's talk Knicks, and that's going to be the end of the Knicks podcast, and we're going to go straight into the, the sub pod. And basketball cards. <laughs> we're going to be millionaires soon, so we probably won't even need this podcast <laughs> to, to make rent like we do right now. So thank you for listening. <laughs> so thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, Nick's back back in action in a couple days. So go Nick's. Nick's tape. <laughs>